0: Morning. Uh, you realize you, you put a Baptist preacher in charge of the service, so look what he did. He brushed everything up because we, we like to preach, and we like to get up here really soon. That's, that's why our, our worship minister at our church has to keep us calm and, and make everything else last a little, a little bit. But uh, this morning, we're going to be back in 1 Timothy. Um, last week, we looked at the first uh, five trustworthy sayings that appear in the pastoral epistles. I hope you remember some of that i hope you looked back over it after you went home the first of the trustworthy statements was this saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that christ jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom i am the foremost i had every intention of bringing you the second trustworthy statement in fact i asked you to look for it i gave you a little homework i don't know if any of you did it it's in 1 Timothy chapter 3, I've uh, been studying, uh, preached the trustworthy statements before, but God had another idea this week. So you're going to come back next week to get the second trustworthy statement. Uh, he had another idea. How, how was your week? Uh, I hope you had a good week. I know some of you may have had a hard week or a bad week, and I'll be the first to admit it, it's it's been a hard week for me. Uh, I think i would shared with Zoe that my mother is not, not well right now. She is suffering both from cancer and from a broken vertebrae in her back, and it was, it was a really bad week for her this week. We, I, I spent pretty much my whole week in doctor's offices with her and, and pretty much all day Friday getting some x-rays done at the, at the hospital, uh, causing some pain she was having. And if you just add the stress of, of going through that and trying to care for a loved one, you add that to what life's like today, I mean, we've got a virus running around. It, it has caused incredible disruption to our society. There, there is, if you watch the news, there is discord and there is hatred and, and there is just so much going on in the world. And, and I've got in my mind, what about school? Am I going back to work on August the 10th like I'm supposed to, to my, to my job at Chase High School? And, and if so, what am I going to do with mom who this week was in appointments four out of five days? I mean. Um, There's just so much going on, and I know each and every one of you have that going on. And we keep hearing about the new normal and this virus. Look, life can be tough at times. At least this life can. Last week, we were in the book of 1 Timothy. Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus. You remember that little city at Ephesus? Remember, times were tough in Ephesus, too. Uh, I just want to remind you that that little church in Ephesus, uh, the things that those Christians were going through in their daily lives, Seemed very similar to what we're going through today. And I realized as I was studying this week that the challenges they were facing, the challenges came from the deceiver, from Satan. And I'm afraid we are facing some of those same challenges today. He he was fighting hard because he had that city under his spell. And he did not like, he did not like this new group of believers. Uh, Ephesus. Remember, the city, the city had it all. It was a seaport. Uh, it was important in trade and shipping. Uh, it was the second most popular city in the, in the Roman Empire. Probably over 250,000 people lived there. That meant many people had really good jobs. Many people had careers. That also meant many people didn't have good jobs and many people didn't have careers. So there was a whole mixture of people in that city. There was a whole mixture of culture, a whole mixture of beliefs. We talked some about that last week. Uh, Jewish people existing all over the Roman Empire, even in Ephesus. And many of the first converts to Christianity were Jews. But there were other pagan religions that we talked about last week. And there was the Greek gods and the Roman version of the Greek gods. And there were mystic religions and there were superstitions. And there was just basically a pagan and corrupt society that that wanted to worship everything but God. Remember we talked about the Temple of Diana. And those corrupt worship services at that place, feeding the flesh. And we and and we and we talked about, well we didn't talk about, but it's true that in that society, there was just like today, there were people that were worried about their money, for their material possessions, for their their things. I'm telling you, when you study the ancient world that Christianity was born in, it is just like the world we live in today. If you try to imagine what it was like to have been a a Christian church in that city in Ephesus, then you need to be imagine what it's like to be a Christian church in Rutherford County today. We face a society that is completely misled and misguided by some of the same things that misled and misguided the people in Ephesus. So what are we to do? Well, we're not going to get to the the second trustworthy saying, because the Lord called me to the the ending verses that we didn't cover of verse 1. Uh, starting at verse 18 is where we're going to be. And we're going to read the first few verses of chapter 2. I don't know if you realize this, but in Greek there there was not chapter numbers. And sometimes things get out of line as we put things into, into a translation that we can read today. And really this 18 through verse 8 kind of all fits together with one thought process from Paul. I'm calling it a to-do list. If you are overwhelmed, if the church is under attack... If you're living in a world that doesn't like your Christian beliefs, even though you were called to spread those beliefs, what do you do? Today, we're going to see a to-do list. A to-do list that that, that Paul left for Timothy and Paul left for that church in Ephesus. So if you would, I hope you brought your Bible with me. I'm again going to be reading from the ESV translation, but I'm going to read chapter 1, verse 18, which is kind of about where we stopped last week. And I'm going to read through verse 7 of chapter 2. This charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience. By rejecting this, some have made a shipwreck of their faith, among whom are Imarius and Alexander, whom I have handed over to Satan, that they may not learn to blaspheme. Going to chapter 2, first of all then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all those who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. And this is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires that all people be saved, and come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. For this I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I am telling the truth, I am not lying, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and in truth. Let's bless the reading of that scripture. Father, we, we thank you for this, this written word, for this this scripture that is inspired by you. And Lord, we pray that it speaks to us today, that you help us to grow and mature as your children, so that we may face life in in a world that is much like the Christians in Ephesus and the Roman Empire face. Lord. We just pray these prayers in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. So let's look at a to-do list. Remember where we were last week. Uh, Paul encouraging Timothy: Timothy, stay at Ephesus. Oppose that false teaching that people within the church are spreading. So here, Timothy, here's a to-do list. Remember, remember. In addition to everything going on outside the church, all the different directions that believers were being poured, pulled—not poured, pulled. There were some actually inside the church teaching other ways or other requirements. Something that was the blood of Christ plus something else. Or do this plus this. And, in, and last week we saw that, that he was calling on Timothy to oppose those false teachers. And today he is charging Timothy. If you look at verse 18, it says, I charge you, I entrust you, Timothy. I charge you. That, that's really strong language. It, it's even stronger than I'm encouraging you to do something. It's I'm charging you to do something. Okay, Uh, I charge you to remember, Timothy, what you have been called or entrusted to do. You, Timothy, are a new creation in Christ, but more than that, you have been called to be a teacher, to be an elder, to be a pastor, to be a leader in the church. And because of this, it says, you need to put up a good fight, holding in the faith and good conscience, wage the good warfare. And yes, the term there is wage a good warfare when you look at the Greek. Now, now he's not talking about taking off arms and going off to war. But he's talking about taking a strong stand on the gospel of Christ and to fight for correct doctrine and oppose false teaching. Listen, correct teaching and correct belief doesn't even completely guarantee you a perfect and useful Christian life. I'm, I'm sorry I, I know from, from experience and I know people around me and I'm afraid we have young people today who even though I've been taught correct doctrine they're being pulled out into the world and they're forgetting the doctrine that they have, they have been taught um, Satan doesn't just forget forget about you when you become a child of God he can't take your salvation but he continues to tempt you and he continues to lead each individual down roads that you don't want to go and you say what why would he do that because if he can destroy your life If he can make you fall into little traps that he sets out in the world, then he can damage your testimony. And if he can get you to fight for things that are not correct doctrine, if he can get you to concentrate your time and your energy and your efforts on things that are not of God, then he wins a little battle. He wins a little battle. He destroys your witness in the world. And he snuffs out a little bit of that light. No, your faith and your right belief not only must create a newness in your heart, but it must produce a maturity that produces fruit in your life so that others who are lost can see that fruit. How would you damage a fruit crop? I tell you how you damage it. You go to the orchard. Damage it at the trees. Look what's happening here. If he can lead people off into false teaching within the church itself, he's going to prevent the church people from producing fruit. So Timothy, he's saying, hold on to your faith. Fight for correct doctrine in the church. Be as prepared as a soldier is. Not necessarily take up arms, but be as prepared as a soldier. Work, study, train, and we're going to get into that in the third trustworthy statement if we get there. Lead people in the church to growth and maturity in Christ. Don't don't screw it up, Timothy, like those people I am naming names have done. They have forgotten that their calling is is to teach and lead true doctrine. They have led people in false doctrine. They are teaching something. We don't know what, but it's Christ plus something. So, Timothy, I charge you. I charge you to hold on to the faith and the good conscience, to reject those, reject those, and and to wage a good warfare. Well, Paul, what? How do I do that? Timothy seemed to have trouble at times with nerves and confidence. So he needed some concrete steps to lead the congregation in the correct way, so Paul left him. This kind of flows from chapter 1 to chapter 2. He left him a to-do list for things he should be teaching and preaching and having the people in the church practice. So let's look at this to-do list. It starts right at the beginning of chapter 2. It says, first of all, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people. Church are in a fallen world. Church, the world around you is trying to influence you, trying to mislead you, trying to get your your mind off of your true calling, which is to spread the light of Christ. And church now, false teachers are inside your church teaching doctrine that is not true and teaching doctrine that will not help save a broken sinful world. And how are you going to respond? What is your to-do list? What should you do? All right, God showed me something amazing here. I I hope you got a pad out because this is you got to write this down. He, he, he showed me in this one verse four amazing steps. You want them? Pray, 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 and pray. Wow. Look what Paul encourages Timothy and that church there to do. He says right at the beginning, First I urge supplications. Now, if you have some other translations, you may see that word supplications as entreaties. You might even see it as requests. Okay? But if if you, and I can't speak Greek, but if you look up the Greek word and try to find what the meaning of the original Greek word is in that text, it means petitions made to God based on a deep sense of spiritual need. Do you think there was deep spiritual need in that church at Ephesus? Is there deep spiritual need in our church today? People. There were people in that church who were leaders who were teaching false doctrine. Yes, I think there was deep spiritual needs. A deep need to lead people back into correct doctrine or get those people out of those pulpits. Paul says, I urge supplications, prayers. There's a comma there. Supplication, prayers. that That's pretty much a Greek word. That you will see used over and over and over again in the New Testament. And it's simply any type of prayer offered up to God. I urge supplications, prayers, intercessions. You might have a translation that says petitions there. Okay, Mine says intercessions. The specific Greek word there means prayers offered up for believers. For your brothers and sisters in Christ. Church at Ephesus, this is what you should be doing. I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people. Thanksgivings. That is a gratitude to God. What have you got to be grateful for? Well, you have a gratitude for God for everything. You have a gratitude to God for your every breath that you take. But most of all, as a, as a Christian believer in this church now, you should be offering up thanksgivings for the fact that you are now one of Christ's. children and you now have the ability to come to him because of the mediator Jesus Christ you have the ability to come to him yourself now that you have been washed clean and bring your supplications bring your intercessions bring your prayers to his feet simply pray 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 and pray Listen, believers, you're in a fallen world. You're in a fallen world. You are going to have temptations. Everything around you, everybody around you, and some of you are even being taught or you're letting yourself be led off in incorrect doctrine. And you should know better. And it's time to fight. It's time to wage spiritual warfare. And you begin this war, according to these verses, by praying, by praying, by praying, by praying. You should be praying for the spiritual needs within your church. And praying for the spiritual needs within the church universal. You should be praying for everything and everyone around you. You should most certainly be praying for your brothers and sisters in Christ. And you should be praying with thanksgiving. That you have your salvation. You have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. you. You have the ability now to lay at the feet of your Father and bring your prayers, your spiritual needs, your intercessions to Him directly. Do you, are you beginning to see, are you thinking in your mind that yes, we are facing the same things now? That those believers in Ephesus were facing? And if you can see that, if you can understand that, don't you understand that that to-do list is yours? Church family, don't you understand that you should be praying? You should be praying. You should be praying. And you should be praying and ask yourself, do we? Do we? I'm telling you, I wanted to bring the next trustworthy saying to you, but... But I realized with all that I'm going through in my life, the Lord Lord really spanked me this week. He took me to the woodshed, if any of you remember what that meant. You you ever get so tied up in everything around you that even though the Holy Spirit lives inside of you and even though you were one of His kids, you ever get so tied up that, that you're lucky if you mumble a little prayer in the shower in the morning and maybe you still remember to pray over your meals? And maybe, maybe if you're not completely exhausted with everything that's going on in the world around you, maybe you say a few words at night before you go to bed. I want to ask you, is that a prayer life? Is that a prayer life for a Christian and a church that is in times of turmoil, much like the Ephesus church was and much like we are today? Donald Whitley, uh, a guy I like to read his books, he wrote a book about the spiritual disciplines and he said prayer is second only to biblical intakes in the spiritual disciplines. That means things that you should be doing as a Christian. So in other words, what he's saying is second to putting your nose in this book, which I encouraged you all to do last week. Put your nose in here where it says first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving. Second only to putting your nose in this book and seeing what the Lord says. You should be praying. I'll give you some homework for this week. Look look through the Bible and see how many times you can see encouragements to pray. Look up Colossians 4.2 and see what it says. Look up 1 Thessalonians 5.13 and see what it says. Read Matthew 6. Read it sometime. Read in verse 5 where it says, When you pray... And see what comes after that. And read verse 6 when it says, when you pray. And read verse 7 when it says, when you pray. And read verse 9 when it says, then this is how you should pray. If we will come to the admission that, that, that we still are tempted and still have sin in our lives. And if we will come to the admission that as a church we face the same things that that church in Ephesus was facing. Oh, Lord, we need to be following your advice. We need to be following your to-do list. Prayer needs to be more than just something we take a few minutes for while we're standing in the shower. Prayer needs to be something more than 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 a continued repeated thing over a meal. We need to be making real prayers, Lord. We need to be praying for our fellow believers. We need to be praying for lost people around us. We need to always be praying in thanksgiving for what we have. And there's a church to-do list part two right here. I've given you four things. Pray, 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 pray. But the church to-do list part two, it's right here. And, And I titled this one, Do It Even If You Don't Want To. It says, first of all then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people. For kings and all who are in high positions that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires that all people be saved and come to a knowledge of truth. Pray for the King and all who are in high position. Remember where we're at? We're in Ephesus. Letter written about 60 or 61 A.D. We did a little bit of the historical context last week. I forgot to mention this last week. I think I got in a really big hurry. But I forgot to mention that Ephesus was just a city. I did say it was the second largest city in the Roman Empire. You remember the Roman Empire? Remember history when you studied the Roman Empire? Before we erase all history, we might want to study it. After we study this book there are there are good things about the Roman Empire and there are horrible things about the Roman Empire the Roman Empire had these emperors they called themselves Caesars they thought they were gods they demanded worship but you know they really didn't care for religion because they thought they were gods and you know they really didn't care if you had a different religion They would tolerate your different religion as long as two things happen. Now this is is the people in Ephesus and the people in the Roman Empire. Have your different religion as long as two things happen. As long as y'all keep paying your taxes and as long as you don't cause any revolts or overthrow to our crown. Power, money, taxes, possessions, they were very important to the Caesars around 60 or 61, 62 when this was written, uh, it's about the time of Caesar Nero. Now there's church history. We're supposed to read the Bible first, but we can look at church history. Church history not inspired, but it's okay to read history, I promise you. There's church history that says Paul's going to be arrested again and he's going to be martyred by Caesar Nero in A.D. 64. See, there there was a lot of persecution and there were a lot of problems in the Roman Empire, but the Caesar was becoming really fed up with this new religion that people called the Way. Caesar actually considered this new religion the Way, which is Christianity. He actually considered it some sect of Judaism, which he didn't understand. Okay? Okay. And, and he's becoming so fed up with it that he's going to kill Paul in AD 64. There's going to be a big fire in Rome that he's going to blame on the people of the way. And in AD 70, when things are still not going his way, when the, when the light of Christ is still being carried to all ends of the empire, he's going to get so fed up, he's going to blame the Jews, and he's going to send the army. And in AD 70, they will completely destroy Jerusalem and the temple complex, the center of the Jewish worship. You you can read some dark tales in church history about what these people did to Christians. 50 AD, 55 AD, we're now at 60 AD. This is the beginning of real persecutions in the church. Paul himself, if you'll just read Acts, Paul himself on numerous times has already been beaten. He's been arrested numerous times. He's been in jails everywhere and all because of his calling to spread this new way. And now Paul's saying, look, here's how we face up to this false teaching. Here's how we live as Christians in the city of Ephesus. We pray, we pray, we pray, we pray, and we pray for those kings and those in authority. Do you think he's been beaten just a little bit too much and he's lost his mind? No. He understands that God controls even kings. He wrote in the letter to Philippians that some in Caesar's household were actually saved as he was a prisoner in Rome. But even if they don't get saved, and we should pray for everyone who has lost salvation, even our leaders and our kings. But even if they don't get saved, we want to pray that they will make decisions that will allow Christians to lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. In other words, we want to pray that somehow, even if the leaders don't know Christ, they will continue to have a government and a system and rules that will allow us to be Christians. I was talking a little bit about the Roman Empire. You understand that as bad as it was, the persecutions and the things that the Romans did to Christians and the Jews, do you understand some of the things that allowed the spread of Christ because God caused it? There was peace. The Roman Empire was so, so powerful and had such a huge army, they call it Pax Romana. There was no wars during this time. You know, it's easier to thrive in a country that's not at war. It's easier to live a quiet and peaceful Christian life and do the things you're called to do as a Christian if your country's not at war. You ever heard the phrase, all roads lead to Rome? You know where that comes from? It's because with all that tax money, they built one of the most impressive road systems that the world has ever seen. There are parts of those roads that still exist. See, they were worried about trade. They were worried about business. They were worried about collecting their taxes because they had a lifestyle they had to lead as Roman emperors. And the best way to do that was have a system where all that could exist in your empire to build these roads. And you know what those roads did? They had no clue what those roads did. But you know what those roads did? They allowed Christians and missionaries to travel the entire empire where they couldn't have before to the ends of the Roman Empire and beyond to spread the light of Christ. You know the Roman Empire had a common language. It was left over from the Greek Empire. If you were civilized, if you were going to do business, if you were going to have a life, if you were going to uh Participate in trade or government or anything. You spoke Greek all through the empire. They thought it was good for their empire. That's why they taught it. You know what that did? Christ used that to have a language that no matter what part of the empire the Christian was from, as he was a missionary, he could preach to and he could teach and he could write letters to people that would understand it in their native tongue. The New Testament, it was all written in Greek. It was all written in Greek. So as bad as it was for Christians to live in this empire, don't, don't ever, we don't understand persecution yet. I'm afraid we will. If you look around the news, and, and, and that's what drove me crazy this week, I'm looking too much at the news instead of being on my knees in prayer. There's bad stuff happening to Christians, but it, it's not like it was in this Roman empire. So as bad as it was, Empire still held together conditions that made it possible to take the light of Christ to the entire empire and the lost world. So Paul was saying, if you pray that government officials and emperors allow, continue to allow the Christians just to lead their lives as they are called to lead their lives, then the Great Commission can be fulfilled. These Christians, they're, they're to be different They are to be different from those people who are led by the flesh. They are to be good citizens. They are to pay their taxes. They are to work hard. They are to live a holy life as an example to others and spread the gospel. They are to live in a godly and dignified way. It is good and pleasing in the sight of our Savior. This is what pleases God. I don't like this any better than you do. I'm not even sure it works. I'm not even sure it works. But I'll say this. I know that they're doing the best they can, and maybe we're not praying for them. And I know they thought it was in the best interest to say we need to stay at home and we don't need to meet in groups. And I was involved in the discussions at our church at Main Street when we decided, yes, we do need to go to online services, even though we're back in our sanctuary now. But I'm going to tell you something. Who do you think was celebrating when the churches of the world were closed for three months? And if this, if this can help us keep meeting, can you put it on when you go to the grocery store, please? Even if you don't think it works. Because I'm telling you, the lost world out there, they want to destroy the, the fruit at the orchard. And if it keeps getting worse and worse, guess who they're going to point the finger at? They're going to point the finger at the Christians. They're going to say, it's you people who won't quit me. They don't care that you're marching all over the streets for false doctrine. People, we have to live quiet and peaceful lives, godly and dignified in any way. It says right here that this is good and pleasing in the sight of God our Savior. How can you do that when it says you're supposed to be fighting a fight? You can do both. You can do both. Fight the fight against false doctrine. Fight the fight against people being lost, drug off into all types of sins. Fight the fight for your brothers and sisters that are so caught up in everything out there in the world right now that that we're forgetting to pray. Or just me, myself. That we're forgetting to study this Word. Pray for kings and all those who are in high positions that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good and pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires that all people be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Jesus Christ who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. Paul, again, reminding Timothy after this to-do list of we need to be on our knees in prayer, Timothy, and we need to fight the good war against false doctrine. But he reminds him again, we need to be preaching and teaching the gospel to the people who are lost. We need to be preaching that it is one God, not a whole plethora of gods. Not a bunch of mystic stuff. We need to preach that there's one God. And there's one mediator, Jesus Christ, between God and sinful man. And we need to preach that Christ gave himself for all. He never forgets to remind Timothy of that. Over and over. You know how you learn? That's how you learn. Over and over. And if your nose isn't in this book, you're not going to learn. And I'm afraid if if we're not on our knees in prayer every single day, we're not going to hear from God. As a preacher, I was taught to try and teach you verse by verse and give you context and give you history. To help you understand what was going on at the time. And then we're supposed to find how that applies to us today because this was 60 AD. We're supposed to find something and close our sermon with something called an application. An application for the text today. Something you can take home. Something you can use all week in your life. Something that will change you. And I want to ask you, do you see the similarities of the time we're living in in this time? Application. The application is not rocket science. I think God right now is calling for his people to pray like they have never prayed before. That's the application you need to take out of this church when you take the light of Christ from you. (coughs) You need to be praying for the spiritual needs in your church. Y'all are facing a lot. You're, you're transitioning to a new, phrase and new phase and you need to pray for your leaders. And you need to pray for each other that you keep God involved in all this process. And you need to pray for everyone around you. When it says all people there, when it says pray for all people, it doesn't mean you have to call every single person in the world by name. It means all people groups, all countries, all races, all families, all occupations. We need to be praying for the people around us. And we need to pray so hard for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Because it's going to get harder to be Christian. And so many of us are being drug off right now into things that are not of this word. I'm telling you, when, when the doors are closed out of fear and I understand the virus. I, I, I've got a mother going through chemo. I can't take that back to her. Okay, I can't. But, but God's in control. I, I, to, I told my church when I was preaching through Genesis that, that there's not people showing up at the gate and God saying, Oh no, I didn't know you were coming today. It must have been a virus. No, He knows when it's your time. Okay, He knows when it's your time. But, but we got people who are so in fear and so misled and so misguided that we're closing the church doors, but we'll do everything else. I'm telling you, if it takes this to keep a church the rope, we'd better do it. We'd better do it. The Lord is calling us to do it. The Lord is calling us to pray. Pray for the spiritual needs of your church. Pray for everything around you. Pray for your brothers and sisters in Christ. And please remember to pray with thanksgiving. Because right now, just like those people in Ephesus, right now, today, we're free to come in those doors and worship. Right now, today, we're free to express our religious opinions and the truth of the gospel out in the world. I, I don't know. I, I don't know how long that's going to last. We need to pray that our leaders are influenced enough by God that they allow us to remain. Is life throwing a lot at you? I skipped your prayers to the pre- people. Because I knew what God had prepared for us this morning. And we're going to have a hymn in a few minutes after this. But but we're going to have some prayer. We're going to have some prayer. And again, I I urge you to to be good citizens. I'm sorry I can't hug each of you and shake your hand and stand at the door and talk to you for long periods of time. But but we're in a time right now where we need to try to be good citizens. And we need to try and do that. But I left my cards out there. And if you've got a spiritual question, just call me. I'll pray. I'll probably be sitting in a waiting room at a doctor's office, and that's okay. Just call me. Send me an email. My email's on there. Text me. I, I didn't use to text, but I've gotten used to it. It's the only way I can get my 19-year-old daughter is by text. They don't answer phone calls. But if you've got a need, while right now you don't have a shepherd, just call me. I'll try and help you with a spiritual need, uh, with a prayer need, with anything like that. But before we go to our final hymn, I think God is calling on us to pray. And here's what we're going to do. I, I'm, I'm going to lift up a prayer to God, the Father, for some of the things that are on my heart. And then I'm going to pause, and I'll just ask you to pray. Okay? I, I know we probably come from different backgrounds. If, if, if you don't like to speak in public, pray silently for something. Tell me there's something on your heart that you can pray to the Lord about. And if it doesn't bother you to cry out to the Lord, then then take turns. You don't have to. Trust me, it'll work. Just pray out loud. Just pray out loud for these things we've been asked to pray about. And then I'll close at the end and we'll have a hymn. But let's take this time to do what the people of Ephesus were encouraged to do. And study this, people. And look for that second trustworthy saying that maybe God will let me get to next week. But study this and apply it to your life. Let's pray. Father, we have heard your word, Lord. We have have heard you oh, encouraging us almost, well, with terms of warfare, Lord, that what we should be doing. Lord, as believers, the world should not take us away from, from our time on our knees before you, pleading for our churches, and for our church leaders, and for our family members. And yes, Lord, we pray for for the people we know who are sick and who are hurting, but Lord, we pray for those people out there who are lost, that somehow you can help one of us, one of us just through our godly and dignified life, have a chance to share the light of Christ with them. Lord, we're just praying all these prayers this morning. Thank you for listening to another message from the pulpit ministry of Main Street Baptist Church in Spindale, North Carolina. I hope that your soul has been edified as a result of hearing the Word of God preached and that God will continue to be glorified in your life as you worship Jesus. If you have any questions about the message you heard today, feel free to uh, check us out online and send an email. You can find us at www.mainstreetspindale.com. Or you can call us directly at 828-286-2291. Hope you have a wonderful day. God bless.